Chris, this it doesn't make any sense. It's yeah. not supposed and it, to, and it doesn't get better. <laughs> I got a pretty handle. I like it. It's pretty you good. You flew here for this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody else just clicked a button. They can pause or skip. <laughs> skip ten seconds. <laughs> Yeah, be out of dudes. Yeah, oh, you got it. You kept it going. I felt that '80s vibe right. in here. Little hair band kind of thing going. Speaking of hair bands, welcome to the Beatitudes. We are so grateful to be with you. My name is Jeff Shufflebein. I'm joined by Nick Besner. What's going on, Jeff? How much, brother? Thank you for asking. And Paul Colker. What's up? Not a whole lot. Thanks for asking, Paul. You're welcome. Hey, so the Beatitudes <laughs> is a show for Christian men seeking to grow in humor and holiness and to really be sanctified in that process. And all along the way, we keep learning new versions of this, right? Leaven and levity and all the, the humor and holiness components of this. And I don't know why this struck me the other day. So I want to share something with you, and maybe it can jog one in your memories. But um, before we meet the guest, I wanted to, to talk about, have you ever had a common phrase that is misspoken by somebody or that you misspeak and you think it's the real way to say it? Like a common phrase like, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? That kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, by and far. Okay, so I'll give you two, and then I just maybe they become part of the Beatitudes vernacular. If you have any, jump in. But, I've got a great one. <laughs> so my college buddy says to me, and this one's actually not my favorite. He says, "Well, you know, bakers can't be choosy." <laughs> and I said, "What did what?" And he goes, "Jeff, bakers can't be choosy." I said, what do you think that means? Like about ingredients? <laughs> How could this be a thing? I mean, I could see the logic. It kind of follows. <laughs> okay. Amazing. So I shared that with my wife 10 years ago, and she <clears> goes, okay, well, I spent a long time where something would happen, and, uh, you know, like she thought the phrase would be like, uh, if you don't stop that, I'm going to come over there and stop you. And the phrase that somebody would yell back is, oh, yeah, you and what army, you know? But she thought it was, oh, yeah, you and what or me. <laughs> just, just a series of questions. <laughs> like, where do you go with that? <laughs> yeah, you and what or me? <laughs> I think most people would back down. Like, <laughs> just this, well, this person's insane. That's amazing. <laughs> They're talking to themselves. <laughs> My wife had one uh, that I loved. She's like, "We love our wives." It's yeah. actually oh, the disclaimer of this show. It's 100%. called "We Love Our Wives." That's right. <laughs> she said. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it. You can tell we didn't prep this because he has no idea he was going to share this. No, I'm getting a little flustered. Um, <laughs> you ever seen it, him turn it, red like this? It was no. like, oh, you know, hey, um, this really interesting uh, thing you wouldn't have found in, in an un, un, unexpected place. A diamond in the dust. <laughs> diamond in the dust. <laughs> Almost. So close. That's there. Yeah. You could tell the spirit of it is yeah. right. Yeah. Diamond in the dust. Uh, mine actually said it right before when you asked, like, have you ever had one of these? And I said, oh, by and far. <laughs> it's by far, by far or by and large. And my wife actually said that one. She likes to mix her uh, her statements her, or her idioms, I mean. I feel like we're picking on women. So while we're piling on, uh, <laughs> I used to work with a woman who would say stuff like, well, it's just like pouring gasoline on the engine. We're like, nobody <laughs> says that. <laughs> um, or one time we were in a very tough conversation with an employee and she said, Listen, this is one of those times where you shouldn't kick a gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> you don't know what this means. 
You should never kick a horse <laughs> anywhere. Or stand behind them and then they kick you. Exactly. <laughs> All right. I don't even know what like inspired this, but I was just, I was in a giggly mood and uh, wanted to share. Thanks for sharing y'all's. Yeah. By and far. By and far. <laughs> yeah. That, that segment was a diamond in the dust. It was. <laughs> but you know, bakers can't be choosy. So, <laughs> hey, we are so blessed to actually have an out-of-town guest that um, we're going to get a chance to know Chris McMahon really well. But if I can set this up for you. We are having a Beata Dudes first. This is a big moment that a PR agency reached out to me and said, what would it take for Chris McMahon to be on your show? And so I look up Chris McMahon, <laughs> he's in Pittsburgh, and I kind of like, I don't know if you can call it this, but I big-timed her. I said, <laughs> it's, Jeff, it doesn't matter who calls, that's just your thing. It's on brand. I said, ma'am, this is all very flattering. Bless your little heart. Uh, no, I, say that I said, uh, but just to be clear, we don't do Zoom podcasts. She said, I never asked you about a Zoom Ooh, podcast. She reversed wow. big time. You. She reversed. <laughs> and I, then my little heart <laughs> was sanctified. <laughs> Put in your place. Yeah. And so uh, she introduced me to who the potential guest would be. And the answer wasn't just yes, it was when. And so we're so glad to welcome you, Chris McMahon, to the show. So glad to be here. I'm, I'm so excited about what you guys have been doing. And to be a small part of it's just a, a, an honor. So thank you. Well, you've got to help us out because I did not ask you this question when I, I got the chance to connect with you and uh, with Kayla from the PR group the other day. But how did this come to be? How did you come to be on the Beatitudes? Like this, brother, you're making us feel... Something. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what the next, yeah, we feel big time. Yeah. It's a great question. I was asking myself that last night as I was packing. <laughs> what I, am I doing? I was in New York the week before and Regret. I unpacked from that. Exactly. But it's funny, I was thinking about it. I, I felt called uh, in my business, which we could talk about, to open a specifically a firm to help pe align people's faith with their, with their, you know, really their investments with their deepest held values. And uh, I thought we could do it kind of, I had enough people on my team and my organization that I could just kind of do it from the executive office. And when I realized nothing works from the executive office, right, as well as it should, we have a responsibility, right? That's why I think the reality is the reason I got on a plane and came down here today is because this is just so important to me. What you guys are doing is incredibly important. What you're creating here is important. And to, uh, to have an opportunity to talk about this, you know, we're, we're really in a battle here. I think all of yeah. us are. And I'm excited to be in the battle. I think we're well equipped for the battle, and ultimately, I think we all know we're going to win eventually, right? So yeah, we're on the winning team. Yeah. Just, <laughs> but I, I think I, I was just excited to come down here and have a chance to, to spend some time with you and tell you about it. Well, you, about you honored us in a big way by doing this, so thank you for being here. Um, we also got a chance to do a radio show with you that uh, that aired here in North Texas. So thank you for being a part of that with uh, with Paul and I on the Guadalupe Radio Network. So let's start with just the business side because I think that's uh, kind of an easy kind of bridge to jump over as we get into the depth of how you've brought your holiness and your desire to use the gifts God gave you uh, into your life and into the communities around you. But what is the business? What is the world that you've been in? So for 35 years, I've been in the wealth management business. We opened and operated a normal wealth management firm, actually avoiding issues, believe it or not, like faith. Doesn't that sound funny? From mm. what we're talking about today. But uh, like trying to be unbiased neutral. And, and neutral. Neutral, yeah. right? Okay. That was, the idea was we should disconnect from our values, which is really, I couldn't, how funny it is. We've turned so really 180 degrees in the opposite direction. And about 15 years ago, we started seeing the corporate boardrooms become moving more and more left and making things that made us harder as parents, as, as, you know, as, as members of a church, right? We'd say things on Sunday, then on Monday, we'd be supporting things that we couldn't believe. Someone told mm. us five years ago, we'd be supporting this. We'd say, 
you, you, this is, you're kidding, right? But this has happened more and more. And as over time, we developed Aquinas Wealth Advisors specifically to say it's important for us to align our values with our, with our, with our uh, investments. And we developed the technology to do it. So we're, we're very excited about it. Well, and the name Aquinas Wealth Advisors, where does, why, why specifically saying Aquinas? I was laughing because I always said that Aquinas was a deep thinker and I am not a deep thinker. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. It's like wi- willing the future state. There you go. Yes. But, but I think Aquinas said one thing that I love, right? He said, there's three things that are necessary for the salvation of man to know what he ought to believe, to know what he ought to uh, feel and to know what he ought to do. Mm. Right. Isn't that what he said? So that's it. So if we are ultimately children of God, we have a responsibility to take those gifts and work with them. Yeah. And we have to get, put them into action. That's why I got on a plane and came down here where it's 130 degrees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so sorry about that. Exactly. Which Welcome we to pump summer humidity. in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> we pump humidity into the studio and then turn on all these lights. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Chris, you're sweating, but you are forgiven because you're from Pittsburgh. Thank you okay. so much. Yes. Exactly. Well, now, as Aquinas Wealth Advisors, what are SUMA the products you offer? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I could I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. That's the greatest dumb joke. <laughs> right? That's all I do is I didn't try- see that coming. You played that perfectly. Thank you. Thank you. Try to make it sound Suma. like a serious. No, but seriously, what are some of the products that <laughs> well, you Well, really have? what we're doing is helping people score their underlying holdings. They have investments and they have 401ks. They don't know what they're in and they always didn't want to know. People don't want to know, but now we've mm-hmm. created technology. They can put in their user ID and password and this tool will go out and grab that and give them a detailed From report anywhere. of everything their support anywhere. Okay. Their 401k is here and investment accounts here and accounts here. It'll pull it in and give them a detailed report of everything they're supporting. It's really amazing. Wow. We've had individuals say, oh my gosh, 20% of everything I'm doing is supporting terminating pregnancies, killing babies in the womb, the most vulnerable among us. We have people that work diligently. They're at the pro-life centers all week long, right? Praying on, uh, on fr- uh, 40 days for life. And they're saying, my money is working against me. And the oh, numbers can be that high, 20%. Absolutely. Absolutely they can. Wow. Not shocking at all. Sure. But it's funny because explain to people who aren't making that connection. They know they've never given money to Planned Parenthood. They know that their money's going to the church and some other charity and some pro-life group. How is that trans- translated then into my 401k, my fidelity account is going to support? Like, what's the? It's what's funny because you wouldn't think it would. They say I have an S&P 500 fund in my 401k. The S&P 500, about 45% of it is c- controlled by three firms, Straight, State Street, Vanguard, and uh, BlackRock. About four years ago, they started what's called voting their proxies. I'm sorry for all this inside baseball, guys, but what it means is they vote. Everybody who has a share has a vote. You decide who the chairman of the company is. Well, no, most of us don't decide who the chairman of the company is because we have two votes. Yeah. But if you've amassed millions of votes and you vote them, and you have for a progressive view of the world, you go to the chairman of that company and say, unless you adopt our policies, we will vote you out of your company. You will no longer be the chairman of your company, regardless of the profit you're making. Yeah, so now it doesn't even become about performance. It becomes about ideology. It becomes, exactly. It becomes your 401k about, is rooted in an ideology that you don't have access to uh, to do anything about. We're for hundreds of years, we've been fiduciaries. We're legally obligated to act in our client's best interest. They're talking about trying to change the fiduciary standard to include ESG investing, which would mean as a person of faith, as investors of faith, there's many of us that work in the financial markets would have to then embrace ideology of, of uh, abortion and, and transgenderism and so forth. And if we didn't do that, we might potentially be violating our fiduciary duty. It's absurd. So I'm excited that we're well, starting wait, wait, to push wait. back. Yeah. So you, I've, 
this is fascinating. So you're saying some people might think, oh, ESG, that's good. Like more ESG is good. Yes, they will. They do. Because the idea of it's right. It's for the, who doesn't want to protect the environment and who doesn't want to, you know, be fair. Well, Those we're are great yeah, ideas because we're called to be stewards of creation. Right. And you, I mean, when you look at um, how this the, the healing uh, group, um, the John Paul II healing group out of uh, Tallahassee, Florida, one of the ways they break these down is like sin broke our relationship with God and with each other and with society and with the, with creation. Right. So there is a sense in which we're called to help be better stewards of, of the gifts that God has given us. But it's one of those like wrap it in a pretty package, call it ESG. Nobody knows what those Mm -hmm. letters mean. If you do environmental, social governments, we we need, we need those things. Those are all good things. So like, where does it go wrong? Yeah. Milton Friedman said a company's responsibility is to obey the law and make profits. Now, all of a sudden, companies' companies' responsibilities are to be good or fair, and that, by its nature, is subjective. And anytime subjective mm. subjectivity comes into play, it gets bananas. So it's not like a, a real solid standard, and it can get warped and twisted, is what you're saying, Paul. That's what they. Have. That's what the real issue. That's completely subjective. There is no standard. Therefore, that's why you guys, it has gone a little bit off the rails. That's why we're going into Target now and seeing preteen. Yeah. bathing suits for boys that make us want to, you know, really cry yeah. in so many ways yeah. and angry and cry and so forth. And, and we feel so bad for these people, but what's happening is it's a race to the bottom Let me ask based you, on the subjectivity. So somebody runs through your score. What's the score called? It's, the, called, it's called the faith and finance score. Faith and finance score. So they run their investments. They, 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 they say a prayer and press the button to connect and no whammies, no whammies, no whammies, <laughs> 20%. And you're talking, this isn't just individuals. It could be institutional money. Absolutely. It could be religious organizations. People that are doing the work are also, their money's going into some of this stuff. Okay, 20%, then what? What do, what do they have as an option after it, that? Sometimes it's tough because the, the, if it's an organization, perhaps they're, the, you know, the, their best uh, donor is the financial advisor that put the sure. money in it. That's an issue. Sure. Or perhaps their friend from the country club, if they're a wealthy individual, perhaps that person has done it. Those are the issues. But it was funny. Uh, we were faced with some wonderful priests in the Midwest, and they had run their score and said, we, we had 36% of all of our money funding directly going to abortion and abortion facets. And he said, I don't know what to do because we love our guys. We have these great guys, and we love mm-hmm. them. And I said, what I would say to anybody, I'd say, don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. I'd say, that, that's, <laughs> I'd say, I'd say, I'd say that is the score you asked for, and that's what you have. Yeah. And I said, and when as you sit together, you these gentlemen are good men, and they have they're in community, live in community. I said, you guys have dinner in community. Yes, we do. I said, then ask your, you know, and he's my friend. I wouldn't do this. I yeah. say this. I know in the in the fellowship of the brotherhood. I I said to them, I said, when you're together, uh, ask your brother, your brother priest, um, how many how many abortions you're pregnant, or you're comfortable paying for. I would assume it's zero, but if it's mm-hmm. more than that, and he laughed. He said. Oh my gosh, it's so true. You're being so accurate. I, I was obviously joking, but the reality is they, they have to take action. Yeah, have a tough conversation sure. with that financial advisor who, by the way, maybe wants the same thing you do and doesn't Absolutely. even have the tools or the the wherewithal to be able to break it apart like that. So yes. maybe your tool ends up even being an outlet for that person. Absolutely. Right? Could be. And there's Absolutely. ways that they can lock on to or get, get help or support. Or, and there's some advisors joining us because they just don't have that bandwidth to be able uh-huh. to do this. So we have some folks in California, some in Florida that are part of our organization. I feel like we should take my accounts and like plug them in right now and just run it live. <laughs> and then I will just leave. And, y'all can, and then we'll be the third beatitude. I'll leave. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then we'll invite a priest in for the exorcism. It's, oh, I got him lined up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's startling. And it's startling, and it's important. And the good news is that if enough people push back, we can change the world. There was a story that happened at a Costco where, where some, some non-denominational guys in the West Coast went back to Costco and said, guys, they were using a similar tool, not as, not as good as our tool, but a good tool. <laughs> and they went back and said, you're, doing, you're sponsoring these events that are, in our opinion, anti-family and anti-God. And they actually got a call back from the head of investments mm-hmm. at Costco and said, we're not doing that. And they said, we are, and sent it to him. Costco, that guy called him back in three weeks and said, you're right. We didn't realize stores had different marketing budgets than we did. We've gone back to them and said, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. So we can change the world together. That's what our goal is. Well, and Bring them back to neutral. And it doesn't even have to be totally contentious, right? Like, I mean, just like you're saying, you're describing these things where it becomes more of an awareness thing, right? You Absolutely. shine a light on what's going on in these kind of nefarious or, or what can, not nefarious, but just what can be convoluted calculations and whatever things that a lot of people don't see, right? So that you start to shine a light and bring an awareness to that. And then all of a sudden, oh yeah, wow. Didn't realize we were doing that. Let's change that. Exactly right. Well, and the companies do care. I mean, look what's happened. Yeah. Right. Bud Light. Yeah. There's a lot. Target. A lot happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. They do care. I think you're right. You they did. do care. They care about profits mainly, but they also don't want to disenfranchise the main street America. But remember, we were not pushing back for the last 20 mm-hmm. years. We just kind of said that as, as those things got larger and larger, we just kind of said, look away and don't don't discuss certain aspects of it. And some of it is about love and acceptance, and we're all creating God's image. Of course, those are beautiful sure. things. But some of it has to do, honestly, with, as you guys know, where we're, we're really destroying the lives of young people. What happened in your life that you were decades into all of this? And it sounds like your journey has a shift in allowing God into the workplace, allowing to not check your soul at the door or to play play a neutral or an, a negative neutral. But it also sounds like there's some adulthood maturation of your own faith. Was there a moment? Was there a person? Was there a mentor? Like what caused you to grow with Christ stronger in this last decade plus? I think as as you get you know older and more mature, uh, uh, I said, my wife has always said, "Don't judge the man by the boy." Right, and I, and I I spent a lot of time in 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 boyhood, and I and I'm embarrassed by that. Sure. But what happened is kind of as I got into that 49, 50 range, maybe 45 range, I said, "My goodness, these kids are growing up, and we're not going to be in this situation forever." What what some some introspection, which is a thing I didn't know I didn't even know that word until I was forty five. <laughs> and I said, what, what am I doing and what am I supposed to do with my life? And yeah. what is what and that that started forty five and thankfully we met the right folks. We met a lot of the sisters of life and we met got a chance to go to uh Medjugorje with a good friend of ours who had a miraculous healing there and all that came together and I became very involved with Legatus. I'm still the vice chair of Legatus. So all this kind of came together. And there's people I, we, we were at breakfast this morning, Nick and I were with a friend who was like, Man, you guys lose me sometimes, which is fine because we love kind of weaving through all these things but you just named a holy site. You just dropped in a miracle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a major Catholic business organization. Yeah. Which one should we, let's start with the miracle. Those are always, yeah. and he eased it. Let's ease in with the miracle and then we'll get into <laughs> business association. That's how that works. <laughs> so I, it was really something about, about 10 years ago, I was sitting at a Legatus meeting. I was the president of the local chapter at that time. And uh, my friend said, Kathy's going to speak. And I said, Kathy, and I was watching when I was working out this morning, Bewitched, that I think, I think I'm the oldest guy in the room. That was before your time, but I was watching Bewitched. She always reminded me of Gladys Kravitz, the wacky next-door neighbor. And I said, I don't want her speaking when I'm at a meeting. I want to class it up a bit. And she stood up and she spoke about the fact she'd been to Medjugorje 20 years, and on her 14th year, she was diagnosed with a terminal blood cancer. And when she went there, she was just it was her last trip there. <clears throat> and as she sat there during the miracle, 
inside the kind of the Croatian security team. She was next to Mariana. She heard the Blessed Mother say in her heart, Kathy, my son has cured you. Go home. And Kathy went to Hillman Cancer Center back on Fifth Avenue in Pittsburgh, PA, and her oncologist who I've met said the cancer is gone and it shouldn't be. It doesn't go into remission. It doesn't go away. And years went away and there's no explanation except God. Wow. And that was a, so that, that was, that was a very important day for me. And then as I, she had actually said to Molly and I later, I believe the blessed mother's calling you to come with me to Medjugorje next year. <laughs> and we said, okay, we're going to have to listen to that. <laughs> yeah. You're like, uh, let me I'm, think about what day was that? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Hard to say no. So it's beautiful. That's no. when you speak back to Mary. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Whatever you like. Yep. Mother Mary. Yes. Um, well, that's phenomenal. Why don't we, uh, why don't we take a quick, uh, left turn here? We're going to play a little game and you get to right. judge us. Right. So, um, we're going to get out our card deck here for a game that, uh, Nick's going to introduce. It's called blessed are the joke makers for they shall inherit the 47 points. 47. 47. And, uh, Chris, you know, we've got another Chris in our, in our show, in our lives, our uh, YouTube super fan, our YouTube super fan, Christopher, what? just want to give a little shout out, Chris, we appreciate you and all that you do tracking all the points week in and week out. Uh, yeah. Thank you for all you yeah, do, Chris. Can, can we all give him some genius? Can we give him honorary points right now? Yeah. Not real points. How many oh. points did Christopher earn this week? hundred. A hundred points for Christopher. Count it. Hey, and by the way, I was traveling with Nick and I, he, I pulled up Christopher's point sheet. I was like, Nick, how do you have so many points? And it's because on a 450-point question, which we've never even come close to before, <laughs> Father Ken Geraci just gave it to you for humility. Yep. Yeah, which actually, if you think about it, makes sense because he's for, with the Fathers of Mercy. So just, <laughs> just dispensing points without earning them. Uh, <laughs> I didn't deserve it, but, but I, I feel like it. it's baseball. There should have been a mercy rule because he's lapping me. In. Yeah. <laughs> do you lap people in baseball? Yes. When you're running bases? Yeah, you have sure. to keep running around. Tell us how the game works. Okay, so... <laughs> So the game works like this. We've got a character card, and then we have a Catholic card game card that we have to answer as the character. So we got to assume a persona and try to answer the question as honestly Wait, as did that. you say we have to assume a? Assume a persona. <laughs> assume a persona. Assume. <laughs> and no. Chris is going to choose one of us yes. as a winner. And we'll for, cut you for, off right there, Jeff. <laughs> I was about to sing a bunch oh, of... Oh, no, you were, you were going into the Lion King. We Yeah, we followed. Um, no, but well, how many points again? Uh, 47. 47. Can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> All right. So, uh, as a paranoid conspiracy theorist, answer the question... If I started an order, it would focus on blank. If I started an order, it would it would focus on the the end of times. No, the beginning of time. No, the the end of times. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> if I started a religious order, it would focus on on religious vestments that were 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 focused on uh, made of aluminum foil. I stored in order, I would. Oh gosh, here comes one of those planes. Okay, everybody underground immediately. Get in the get in the ground. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, turn off your cell phone. You're giving me cancer. Oh, okay, okay. If I started, oh no 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 no. Uh, the Teletubbies are actually just Satan. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about ESG. I'm worried about 5G. That's what I really want to dig into. I, I am a Teletubby after all. <laughs> 
Chris, this it doesn't make any sense. It's yeah, not and supposed it, to. And it doesn't get better. <laughs> I got a pretty flew, handle. I like it. It's pretty you good. You flew here for this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody else just clicked a button they can pause or skip. <laughs> skip 10 seconds. <laughs> thanks for the airplane noises. Yeah, thanks. I was trying to help you out. Yeah, I needed it. <laughs> Who wins? Well, it's tough. I was, it was a pretty much a dead heat, but when you threw in the airplane and, and also the voice, Paul got it. Oh, God. That's amazing because Paul got points for mine by throwing <laughs> the sound effects. <laughs> I, was, I was being and helpful. Shining the light. Dude, yeah. That's shining awesome. the light. Yeah. yeah. 40, you don't, that's a patronizing pat. You just gave no, me. No, that was real. That was real. <laughs> You'll get them next time. Hey, bless your well, little no, that's, heart. That's weird and patronizing. <laughs> Okay, I will accept your pat. Um, actually, when I type your your name into my phone a lot, I'll be like, "Hey, uh, Nick," and then it'll say "pale," like as if you're a a water pail. So that's mm. like my version of calling you pale. Like, well, you have my, to carry your water. My, uh, it's just because you, you have a lot of typos, Jeff. Uh, that's my life. So um, <laughs> tell you what, Chris, for being our celebrity judge, you know what you get, right? I do not know. I'm a excited. Pair of socks from Sock Religious. Oh, fantastic, and brother! You're getting St. Christopher socks. Oh, that's wonderful. I don't. By the look on your face, I don't think you already have these. I do not have these, which is fantastic. It's interesting too. This I'm seeing it says Stouffer, and that's what my mother calls me because the Chris was on the other side. <laughs> so Stouffer. I can show my mother. My mother calls me Stouffer, so that's beautiful gift. Thank Love you very it. much. Well, Stouffer around for more great beatitudes. If you want your own socks, go to the beatitude. No, go to sockreligious.com slash the beatitudes. I'm nope, just gonna make just it. slash beatitudes. Jeez. Try again. <laughs> can you tell us again what Sock it is? Sockreligious.com slash Beatitudes. See you after the break. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Chris McMahon of many different things. Aquinas, uh, Wealth Advisors, um, Legatus. And before the show, we were just chatting, and you mentioned... um, Giving a gift of perpetual prayer. What is that about? Absolutely. I, I, I used to struggle with that. You know, about 20 years ago, I said, at the very least, always go to the funeral mass, right? That was something I just made a commitment hmm. to do because I think it tells mm-hmm. people, I'm here for you. I'm thinking of you. So I, I, I used to, before that, I'd say I'd make an excuse why I couldn't go to the funeral mass. And then I said, always go to the funeral mass. And someone recommended to me, my sister-in-law, uh, who actually was in the uh, Missionaries of Charity for some time, said, boy, get the cards made by the nuns in Springfield, Massachusetts, the Dominican nuns. And it, it's over the years, we've sent these to hundreds of our friends who've lost someone or had the birth of a baby. It's for good as well. But they, they will pray. Uh, the Dominican nuns make these beautiful handmade cards. And, uh, and I think they, they charge about $30 for the cards. And I, I realized for years we were sending them in checks. And um, one day, sister said, um, uh, Mr. McMahon, we noticed you have a $3,600 balance on your account. <laughs> and I said, I said, sister, no. We've, been, we've intended to do that. You keep that extra you're, money. You're like, I'm expecting a lot of people <laughs> exactly, I know to die. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but honestly, these, these sisters are so beautiful up in Springfield, Mass. And I've never seen it affect people so deeply. When I've had friends that, are, as you said in your show, you guys have such a reach. You have people that don't believe in God right now are listening to your show, which yeah. is marvelous. I remember vividly sending this card to a friend of mine whose mother had passed. And he came to my office, which is unusual in Pittsburgh. He drove to my office and said, I just want to thank you for yeah. this. He's from the other side of town. So those Springfield uh, nuns, uh, the Dominicans in Springfield, Mass, just do unbelievable work, praying all the time, that contemplative life, you know, for the king, for us to get to heaven. Chris, we'll put that in the show notes, the link to that one, because uh, I can remember when my first child was born, getting a perpetual prayer uh, kind of plaque 
from the Basilica in DC. And I was like, this is so moving. This isn't something that's going to erode. You know, even if I lost this piece of paper, knowing that my child has been added to the perpetual prayer list. And so at first I kept kind of doing it for those kind of joyful moments. And then I remember the time, um, actually the guy that I first had uh, on the radio show with me six, seven years ago, he was uh, kind of a a sidekick co-host, some miscarriages, a couple of them, right? And it's really hard to honor a miscarried baby because you don't want to interject in somebody's life when they're not in a moment that they want to talk about. So you're kind of always ready to talk, right? Like if you want to bring it up, let's talk about it. But if they're not ready to bring it up, how do you show love for that and honor that? And in the cases, especially where somebody has named their miscarried baby, we'll do the perpetual adoration, you know, and it's a beautiful display. And what I keep getting back is, you know, this happens more more often than most people realize. They, they think they're alone in it because people don't talk about miscarriages. It happens on, on a pretty regular basis. But they'll have a, a corner, a part, a prayerful piece of their home that might have a sonogram. It'll have the perpetual prayer, and it has their kid's name on it. Where else does, you know, the first, middle, last name of a child that you never got to hold, where does that end up in, in your life? Absolutely. Not many places. So. <sighs> I can't express this enough. I mean, what we do, Society of the Little Flower, the Basilica, uh, a couple others, but you've given me a new one to check out, and um, I love prayer, so let's do it. Absolutely, man. <laughs> well, uh, let me ask you a question. So you you have gone through this convert. I'm not going to say conversion, this explosion of faith. Yes. Um, you get involved in Legatus. I think there's some interesting things there to explore, but I always kind of hear you go back to these religious orders, the sisters of life and others. Can you talk about those relationships and um, even where they start to play in and intertwine in your life and, and with you and your wife? Yeah, it was it was interesting. When we decided initially to to open a maternity home, when we kind of had this reversion, we wanted to open a maternity home in Pittsburgh, and we thought, how do we do that? How do we open that maternity home? And we immediately talked ourselves out of it. We thought it'd be too complicated, and there'd be drugs and parole officers and you know it'd be an episode of Starsky and Hutch every day we thought so we decided not to do it and my sister-in-law said go uh you know go meet the Sisters of Life in New York and we were got a chance to go up there and immediately as we knew them they were just so uh, open and kind and beautiful and young which was also unusual we were very involved at that time with the little yeah, young before. and contemplative and uh, yeah absolutely seems like a dichotomy right absolutely you're supposed to be 85 years old if you're a nun Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's one or, of the requirements. Or 95 or 105, they live forever. Yeah, go to their, go to their cemeteries. It's pretty awesome. Actually, wait, real quick side note there. Um, Sister Barbara Francis, who I don't believe has passed yet. Um, I mean, she's getting up there now, but she taught my mother at St. Luke, taught me when I was at St. Luke, and then she um, she was in a picture with uh, Sister Josephine. Um, you know, she does the public yeah, speaking. Yeah, she's all over OSV. Yes. Yeah. Well, so she's in that same house as the Sisters of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. And so that picture gets posted at DCYC of all of them. She's like, this is my, you know, my congregation and all that. And there's Sister Barbara Francis sitting there. I'm like, is she immortal? Yes. <laughs> like, like, how does <laughs> that work? can be. <laughs> right? It was insane. Anyway. Very cool. Okay, so wait. Go on. So it was just an overwhelming visit to be there for the first time. And over the years, we'd bring our children there, and they would. I would laugh because our kids would go out in the yard thinking we're going to get away from this. You know, run, nuns, run. That was their, their, <laughs> they were like 15 or 16 years old. And That's always a children's look, book, Chris. And, runs, and, nun, run. And they would always, they'd be sitting down and pulling up a chair to them. And we, we, we found them to be just overwhelming, and they're, 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 um, 
their zeal to protect human life. And, and the story was that Father Cardinal O'Connor was in the death camp of Dachau, and he put his hands in the ashes of the oven, and he was overwhelmed. He said, how can we do this to ourselves? This is 30 years ago, I believe, or so. And as he did that, he realized we're doing this today. Yeah. We're having the same Holocaust today. Mm-hmm. And he came home and put it in the New York Times, it wanted Sisters of Life, and here we are. 30 years later, and there's, there's about, they're all over the country and growing and booming, and it's amazing. I just learned a lot. Like, that's an incredible story. Amazing, yeah. Okay, so then uh, play that out more. Like, in what ways are y'all continuing to support them? What What's bringing you down into the Mexico region? I know you just got a lot of religious life work going on. So, yeah, so the Sisters of Life have been wonderful, too. The sisters are on the board of Mary's Place, our maternity home in Pittsburgh. Okay. We've been able to have a bunch of them at our conference, which is called Catholics at the Shore in Stone Harbor, New Jersey. Come next year to hear that. the Beatitudes do a live yeah. taping of the Beatitudes. Fantastic. Right. Absolutely. We just said it on air, so it has to happen. I yeah. love it. It's real yeah. now. So and uh, and we've had incredible experiences with them. We've only been to the March for Life once, and it was overwhelming. And we were there this year. It was incredible. And Sister uh, Mary Casey, who took the name of her twin sister Casey, who has Down syndrome, so Casey got up in front of three hundred thousand people and told them why her life was worth living. It was overwhelming. Beautiful. May I tell wow. a quick story about Please. life that I learned? I like when you always uh, say quick, that. Like, quick can story. I tell a quick story. Yes. So what happened was that we were doing Catholics at the Shore, and one of our friends was going to come down with the Sisters of Life, who's marvelous. And she hurt her back. I think she had a praying accident. They always have bad backs. It's just funny. You know, they're young and athletic, and they always have their bad backs. I said, what, what are you guys doing? I don't understand. <laughs> you know, strongman competitions with log lifts. I'm not sure. But she couldn't come. So they said, Mary Casey's coming. Mary Casey's, they're all wonderful. Mary Casey's spectacular. And it was Monday. They were coming down to New Jersey from New York City, about three hours away, four days later. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call Mary Casey and see if she can have her sister Casey come and join us and do the same thing they did at the March for Life. And my wife said, of course, what she always says, please stop. That's what she said. <laughs> and, I said and I said, come what? on, let me just ask. And she said, okay, you can ask, but you're asking too much. And, and I said, okay. And I called and Mary Casey didn't answer it. An older sister answered. She's lovely. And she said, Chris, you know, it's, it's already Tuesday and it's Saturday. And she was just here in January, meaning for the March for Life. Yeah. And she lives all the way in Denver. I said, okay, sister, you're right. Thanks so much. A few minutes later, unrelated, Sister Mary Gabriel called, who's a dynamo, and really, boy, and I love her so much, and she called about an unrelated subject. And I said, sister, by the way, I was talking to Molly, and I said that maybe if Mary Casey's coming, she could bring, and I didn't finish the sentence. She said, Casey, her sister, absolutely. She's been here forever since January, and she only lives in Denver. <laughs> okay? Perspective. Exactly. So here we are. It's she been called at the mother. Least two months. Four days, la- four days later, she got on a plane. She came out. They surprised her sister. It was the twins' 40th birthday. They were together on their birthday. It was magnificent. Wow. And it was a gift from God. And, and I think, and I said to my wife, see, I was right. I never get to say that. Right. <laughs> so that connection's gotten deeper. And one also- to infinity on yeah. that scoreboard there. <laughs> but hey, one's a start. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, go ahead and mark that one point down for <laughs> our guest, Chris McMahon. <laughs> It'll be on there until the next season resets. And then with Legatus, we go on many trips. And we went we went last year to Our Lady of Guadalupe. We always wanted to see the shrine. Mm. And we had gone to a Legatus function. And Father Dan, uh, Father Dan Leary was there. And he was wonderful. And he said, come down to Guadalupe. And we were in Guadalupe, the shrine. And we went out to the home that uh, uh, Aloysius Schwartz, Father Aloysius Schwartz, had started World Villages of Children. We were amazed by it. 3,400 girls living there, 20,000 kids around the country in the poorest parts of the world. Father Dan is there now, overwhelming their devotion to Our Lady Guadalupe there, overwhelming. 
Wow. And it was beautiful to see those 3,400 girls in mass, in adoration. We, and we were, just, we were just taken by it. And one of the sisters said something so beautiful to us when we were there. One of the superiors said, these women are sexualized. It's horrific, she said. These kids are, but so are some of our sisters when they're younger. And she, she took the place. I'm, I was so beautiful. I think about it. She said, I actually, her mother had passed, this sister, her mother had passed. So the mother superior took the role of her mother and mm. on behalf of her mother apologized for not protecting her for that abuse. It was one of the most moving and personal things I've ever been a part of, hearing sisters say this about helping her mother say this, healing her sister, excuse me. They call them mother sisters. It's very confusing because <laughs> they're mothers to the girls. But she, she, she. Uh, so the sisters of Mary that are all over the the third world, Mexico City, are amazing. The work they're doing is unbelievable. Healing these young women, giving them dignity, and yeah. and you can't believe it when you meet them. It's amazing. Something just dawned on me that I I forget who said this. Maybe it was a speaker. Maybe it was even somebody like Father John Ricardo. But it was about the fact that we've become so numb to what it even means to be sexualized or to uh, be sexually accosted. Because there's a lot of people that will claim I wasn't or my kids have never been or whatever. Because we don't consider the billboards, the driving around Dallas, that I'm disgusted by. Or the magazine that's waiting for you as you're trying to check out at the grocery store. How sexualized those moments are. That you're seeing things even before you get to the part where porn is chasing you online if you're 10 years old. You know, like... Your kids are being sexualized even if nobody's ever touched them. So we're all experienced at some point. And then that's making this just calloused, gray, slippery slope. And I, man, maybe this is going to turn into a really crazy show all of a sudden. I don't mean for it to do, but uh, I'm just moved by what you're describing that's mm -hmm. happening in, in this Thank home. I w yeah, it's beautiful. And I did want to mention something I thought was so fascinating. In, in Aquinas Wealth Advisors, we help people sort out things like pornography out of their portfolios. And uh, certainly abortion and other things, uh, transgenderism, radical transgenderism and so forth. But it was fascinating. I was dealing with lots of reporters these days. We have a PR firm, as you know. And, yeah, and awesome. uh, the PR firm and a reporter was asking me from a major publication, he said, why would, well, I don't understand. I understand, I guess, abortion. And I understand, I guess, transgender, radical transgenderism, not telling parents and so forth. But why would you guys try to sort out pornography? <laughs> and I said, help me understand your question. So well, why would that be questionable or objectionable to someone? I said, and I said, can we stop for a moment? Help me understand. Are you asking me that as a reporter? Are you asking me that as a very confused young man. Mm. And he said, honestly, I don't understand. I've never heard pornography be questionable or objectionable to someone before. And he said, he said, you, I know people that collect cars. I think uh, he was new that I did Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. You do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So some people just do pornography. And I thought, my, what a sadness. I said to him, I said, well, you're against human trafficking, aren't you? You're, I assure you. And he said, absolutely I am. Because even for the most, you know, kind of misinformed person, that's a, obviously horrific. And I said, well, that, well, that's feeds. That's where this comes from. This is the animal, the machine. He said, I never thought about that before. I never <sighs> thought about that before. Mm. A grown man, college graduate, yeah. uh, a senior writer at a major publication, never thought of pornography as being something questionable. Well, and it's amazing how just we can have these blind spots and all it takes is somebody just lovingly speaking back into it like you did in that circumstance. Because you didn't, you didn't accost him with it, but you were just asking these follow-up questions and, and that's all it takes to kind of shake so many of us loose from, from these blind spots, which we all have a certain number of blind spots. I'm not saying that, but Absolutely. just, but yeah, I mean, that's just, that's amazing. I'm, I'm blown away by that. That's amazing. But the good news is that uh, he, he, he did, you're right. He, when he heard that, he said, I never considered that before. That's something I'm going to think a lot about. And, and I was just the, the other day in New York, and, and, and really I said the belly of the beast in a conversation about ESG investing and its darkest progressivism versus uh, value-based or faith-based investing and why it's so important. 
And uh, I got two handwritten notes by two young men that are analysts at uh, one of the big, huge firms. And I thought to myself, there, that's interesting. Who writes notes anymore? And they were talking specifically about the need that we have to go on. I feel they felt they were in a place they couldn't speak up. Yeah. And they heard these things. They were so excited that someone was saying them. I, I felt good that, that, that there's young people out there at these kind of firms that we think of as, you know, what was the what was the movie of uh, the company in um, RoboCop or excuse me in the Terminator was it Skynet Skynet, Skynet. Skynet. Yeah. I said these guys are working at Skynet and they, they yeah. think they're just working on the health plan and this bad stuff's going to happen so it's good that we're seeing it now you know come with me if you well, want to invest <laughs> <laughs> well good I mean good for you as a leader in that world that these young I mean I used to be an analyst at a big bank right like to see someone else that wow you can stay in this industry you can your faith you can actually turn it into what you're leading with right i think that's i think that's awesome i appreciate it. I, 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 there's so many great leaders out there that's what's so important about what you guys are doing bringing the, those people to light we at our conference catholics the shore one of the people pe- people who came who i admire tremendously haughty hannah he's got fourteen thousand employees across the midwest in the real estate business and he said to me the, i said can you drive to stone harbor and, 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 and hopefully stay at your son's house so we don't have to pay for your hotel. And, and he laughed. And, he, and, he, and the most important thing he said is, I have to take this rosary home to my wife. You know, we gave away a rosary. He said, she lost her rosary when her purse was stolen. We didn't care. Her rosary was missing. Mm. Doesn't that permeate every aspect of an organization that the chairman of the corporation's most important thing is? He goes, yeah. I need to replace my wife's rosary. So I, I love to see Amen. Do you know, Nick and I had a breakfast this morning, and uh, this gentleman that we were at breakfast with has become a global leader in, in his energy world, and he's a very good friend of ours, great Christian man, but we were both talking about some people that uh, Nick and that man knew, and they were telling me the story, and I'm not going to use any names for a second here, but a guy who had done so well that he was up for a bonus that would have been a couple hundred million dollars, walked away before he got it because he knew that there was no part of that money that had any substance to him. Now, he's still incredibly wealthy. Like this guy, if you're going to get that kind of a bonus, you already have incredible wealth. But he walked away, and so his focus now is on, is it on family? Yeah. It's like how does he In fix, retirement, fix go, yeah. the family, wow. not his, all the family. United States yeah. problem. The, the cultural. Broken family and yeah. culture. Like we're chasing <laughs> the wrong <laughs> things. We're focused on the wrong things. And so sometimes we need bold guys from Pittsburgh that aren't away, <laughs> aren't afraid to flex a little to get up there and call it what it is. Tom Monahan, who's the chair, I'm the vice chair of Legatus, which is like being the runner up for Miss America. It's very easy not to do <laughs> so, 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 so Tom is the, really, I admire him tremendously. You know, he's yeah. done, he's lived his life and modeled his life in a way that I just amaze, amaze. One thing he does is he's very, very prescriptive about books to read. And when I read the book Halftime, and that was part of this, which Love I didn't it. mention earlier. From that profit book, to purpose. Yeah, that, that yeah. book really had an impact on me because I read that and I said, what am I doing? I did an accounting in my life, and I didn't like what it looked like in a lot of ways. And I thought, what, what can we do? Chris, I was reading that book. A friend of mine who uh, owns a big vet clinic in town, he's like, read this book. And I was, you know, 40, 41. And I was already, like, mentally kind of there. I get done reading halftime, go to the doctor, and I'm cutting through to go get breakfast tacos in a part of town I've never been in. I stopped to read an email. I look next to me, and the building says Halftime Institute. And I'm like, where am I? So I look it up. It's the wow. education arm of halftime. And I'm no joke. I've never heard of this book before that week. I finished wow. the book, parked my car, halftime institute on a road I've never been on. And I was like, okay, got it. From <laughs> profit to purpose. Let's go start a company called Undivided Life, a podcast wow. called The Beatitudes. Let's amp up a radio show called Undivided Intention. In other words, my life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hey, let me talk to you about this PR firm. 
when we were on the phone, or Zoom, me, you, and Kayla from the PR firm, we finish, and we finish in prayer, and we finish in a Hail Mary. Your PR firm is not a Catholic PR firm, right? It's interesting. They're not, which is funny. Uh, yeah. they, they, we're, they, they are... Um, they're forced to be because I realize it's reasonable to do that to people. You yeah. know, and I think we used to apologize for it and not pray. Right. Yeah. And now I found it very interesting. You know, I, I had a, a, one of our employees and, and we certainly are hiring people of different faith backgrounds. Sure. Well, I remember an employee said to me once, uh, our compliance officer, very, you know, exacting a, a woman lawyer. She said, I was raised Catholic. So I understand this and I understand what you're doing. I, I was raised Catholic. And then about three months after she started there, she came, this was about seven years ago, she came back and she said, you know, we, I prayed a novena for my mother yesterday or something. I just yeah. finished a nine-day novena. So I realized what happens is, is we draw them in as we say it's okay. People, I don't like the phrase, I was raised Catholic. I, I was, what do you, help me understand that. What does that mean? That means I am Catholic, right? It's much like our friends in the ESG world. I, 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 I challenged the person when he said, <clears throat> he actually said with a straight face, um, a pregnancy vulnerable self-identified woman. And I said, I would call that a woman. You know, anybody who can get pregnant is what they mean. So I think sometimes we, we have a tendency to do that. Mm -hmm. I was raised Catholic, it's the same thing. But once we give people permission to, to, uh, to, to do that, and the way I've been able to give people that permission is instead of saying, I will pray for you, which I never used to say that. I never used to say, I will pray for you. But I've seen Cardinal Dolan when I'm in New York a few times, when he stopped and someone says, pray for me. He does it. Does it. So yeah, that's been a hard changer. thing. That's been a hard thing for me to do. But as I started doing it, I was at a big snooty business club, uh, much like the one in the trading places. You know, remember where they were, the Winthrop and his brother. <laughs> You're old. Yeah, I am. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. So you speak Jeff's language. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. Trading places, Eddie Murphy. It's great. <laughs> I sent a telegraph about this. So anyway. Uh, the, the, uh, Morse code. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, it, it was interesting because a friend had lost uh, somebody. I said, and I said, let's pray for it. And let's do it. And. Not, you know, let's do it. And it was fascinating. About four of us did it, and about six other people came and joined us while we were wow. doing it. And I didn't know, mm -hmm. which was mm -hmm. strange. So I wanted, I want, I want to have the courage. I don't. I'd like to be more courageous and do that more often. Well, and, and there's two parts of it. Live your life with joy because joy is contagious, and it's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And that's the way that people want to accompany and find out what's going on with Chris. And then uh, we always say on here, don't say you're going to pray for people. Pray for people. Beautiful. Yeah, let's maybe just, like, put a challenge out there to all the Beatitudes, like, Find a time this week where it's uncomfortable and just pray yeah. out loud. And yeah. if somebody asks you for prayers, then definitely stop go. and yeah. pray. <laughs> stop. And it doesn't have to be like some, you know, Aquinas level, beautiful Latin prayer. I mean, all it has to be is, all right, Lord, we come before you and ask for your, you know, for your guidance and your grace. I mean, just, just be an honest prayer, a conversation. Well, speaking of continuing to go deep with the Beatitudes, we have our Beatitudes deck TBD squared. And we are actually going to go into a question here that we encourage you to participate along with uh, when you're with other gentlemen in your life. Um, <laughs> share, <laughs> share along with these TBD questions. Uh, stay tuned for the TBD deck coming to a store near you online. But the question that we're going to ask, and I think about this because you've been through, Chris, this um, metamorphosis of business and life and kids to, you know, something changes you start to live life differently. You start to live with different focus on purpose, the halftime example we just shared. The question for all four of us is, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? So you look back and you think about your 20-year-old self. Um, and maybe if I could just put a quick fun part to this. Mm -hmm. Paul, I'm looking at your, fa your face. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm it not was just laughing about your face. Something <laughs> happened to you today. 
Yeah, I was I was driving over here thinking that my electric razor was going to be sufficient for you know cleaning up on the way, and it died on me halfway through. So almost perfectly, almost halfway perfectly through. halfway through. Yeah. So oh god, I'm, I can Did only you? see one side of the face. I didn't even notice. Yeah, I was hiding the rest behind the mic so that the cameras wouldn't pick it up. But thanks. thanks Did you Jeff. like? I mean, like at some point, I was like, we should maybe bring this up. You're crazy. Uh, look here. Yeah. And then I completely forgot. I just saw you, and I was like, what is this character he has? I was going for kind of, let, let's say it was on purpose, and I was trying to pull a St. Philip Neri because he would purposefully do things to either humble himself uh -huh. or humble other people. Like there was a, a cardinal coming to hear him preach because everybody knew that he was this eloquent preacher and everything. And so the cardinal shows up, sits in the front row, and he get, goes to give his homily, and he makes every grammatical error he knows how to make. <laughs> just just partly because he didn't want to make it about himself either. It was like playing kind of a, a fun goof. But anyway, yeah, let's say I was doing this on purpose. Perfect. Well, you nailed it. Thank you. <laughs> and that's also safe driving from Paul Kolker. Um, <laughs> I don't want your car insurance coming yeah. listening to this one. Yeah. All right. Who's up? What would you tell your 20-year-old self? I would tell my 20-year-old self, start drinking now for tolerant. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding, kidding. That's terrible advice. That's terrible. No, actually, um, I think part of what I would say is because I, I was in this really antsy place, especially around discernment and stuff. And it was what, what I realized in retrospect, because I, I went into seminary and I was in seminary for a little while and I went when I was 21 and I actually left A&M to go do that. And, yeah. and, and I'm not saying that that was all bad or wrong or anything. And I think God certainly blessed the, the effort and the sacrifice and those kinds of things. But I think that there was a piece of it where just knowing that God moves through peace and through, uh, you know, these grace-filled promptings versus this sense of maybe agitation is the right word. Where and it wasn't that I was fully agitated; I was excited at the prospect, but yep. just there was this this uh, feeling of okay, well, maybe I'm not in the right place, but maybe I am. But well, things are going well here, and and it was kind of a swirling confusion in a lot of ways. And I I just sort of said, well there's never going to be any good time. And so I just went and did it. And it was kind of this impulsive yeah. um, move, which again, not all bad. I'm not saying that's, that was all wrong and God's providence used it in a lot of ways. So, you know, it's, it's not that it was a total mistake or something, but just that sense of, no, you, you don't have to have it all figured out right this moment and keep, keep discerning, keep praying, take those next steps and that you don't have to kind of rush to figure it all out right now. There's a grace in that for sure. Yeah, and that discernment is a process. It's not that you have to, oh, well, uh, if I think that maybe this is it, then I'm letting God down if I don't do it and, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of beating myself up about that discernment process. Crazy how pride works its way into discernment. Also that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Yeah, so just to, to say, like, you know, it's not that you pump the brakes per se, but you don't have to slam on the gas yeah. either. Awesome. Thank you for sharing Yeah, that. for sure. But you, Chris, what would you tell your twenty-year-old self? I, th I think, uh, boy, you mentioned a little bit of arrogance. I think, which is or ego, which is a huge thing. You know, I always said that I, when I, I've given so many of my um, my things, you know, given to Christ or given to the Blessed Mother, right? But then I say, well, they're busy, and I take them back, which I think is a mistake, right? Mm. <laughs> it's a one-way trip, and I, I think honestly, giving things, you know. It, confessing our sins and if we believe right if we believe in christ the, those sins are forgiven i think it's it's it is part of that ego where i continue to beat myself up about those same things over and over again it's taken me into my 50s to say you have to you're in or you're out you have to believe or you don't right so you have to you have to accept god's uh it's either your ego or understanding that 
God Almighty's in charge. And I thought, uh, if you guys saw the, did you see that movie with Kelsey Grammer, The Jesus Revolution? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I liked it. You know, I thought I it was too. good. You know, I thought it was interesting when she said, and this is the, uh, this is how deep I think it's a movie I saw. That's the quote I'm going to give you for my advice. But I think she said to her husband, "Don't be so arrogant as to think that Jesus can't do work through your mistakes." Yeah. And I thought that is the advice I would give myself as a 20 year old person because yeah. that's beautiful. I think I, I now understand why you came all the way to the show because I quoted it this morning at our breakfast when <laughs> he says, you know. Uh, Donnie Frisbee or Lonnie Frisbee says, "All those hippies are just trying to find Jesus. Like all the stuff they're doing, the transcendental, the music, the community they're building, it's all an attempt to find God." Yes, that's true. We're all on that journey. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, we got to remember to see the face of Christ in everyone. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's I think as a twenty-year-old, it was easy to fall into the lie you would tell yourself about like relativism. Like, well, I'm not about, I'm not as bad as mm. those guys or those gals or, you know, at least I'm doing this, yeah. right? I've never done that. I've never done that, <laughs> yeah. right. Um, and I think that there's just, you're called to more and there's so much better uh, frameworks than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like if you were on a sports team, you wouldn't say, yeah. oh, well, I'm at least I'm better than those handful of players. You'd say, no, I want to be the, the best athlete I can. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great. Uh, no. Thank you for articulating yeah. that better than I did. No, no, I yeah. just, that's, no, no, that's what I, I was no, hearing. I, in I, that. I meant that, yeah. What yeah. I see in Nick in this show is a lot of raw emotion. This is like, a, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, you're also laughing about us sharing great, great examples of fo like missed missed opportunities to say an idiom with our wives. That's where you first kind of got flustered. Of course. <laughs> okay, so my, uh, mine's short and simple. It's that um, foul language doesn't make you cool. That it's a disservice to me. It's a disservice to my message. It's not a form of passion. It ultimately dishonors my parents. And at the end of the day, it absolutely does not point people to a closer walk with God, whether it's me or the people around me. And, you know, I used every justification about, I only do it here. It's only with, you know, closed door this. And that's, that's all a bunch of banana malarkey. That's as bad as my language gets now. <laughs> Bana banana malarkey is pretty it's intense. Pretty bad. <laughs> I that is not the name of this episode, Paul. <laughs> no, that, but you know that's what you're going to do. <laughs> okay, no. So uh, I actually want to throw a curveball uh, at all of us because the Reverse Simpsons is always a different ending to every Monday show than any other show. But something happened, I think, when, when Chris was challenging us and then we challenged everybody to prayer. I'd like to just in challenge us to do something we've never done before, which is the four of us to end this in prayer. And so um, we can just start with me and end with Nick, but we'll go around the horn and... Uh, Chris, your turn will come after Paul's. That's how that part works. I mean, I know you're from Pittsburgh, so I'm trying to... <laughs> I got it. <laughs> All right, we will uh, close out in prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit and be with everyone listening to this episode. For us in this room, for the people that are in their cars, for the people that are watching the YouTube version of this, um, help those people to hear what they're supposed to hear in this message and really soften their hearts, soften their hearts to give themselves grace and forgiveness in the same way that we are called to give grace and forgiveness to other people. We're all on a journey. We're all trying to find God, even if we're on the wrong path. We're called to be the face. Uh, we're called to see the face of Jesus and be the hands and feet for others. So just let us be that. Lord, we uh, ask that you would help us always to rejoice, to rejoice, of course, in, in the many good gifts you have given us and to acknowledge those gifts when we 
when we see them and not just to gloss over them or to, to rush past them to the next thing, but uh, to truly sit with those and, and to be thankful, to, to give thanks. Uh, but we also ask that you would help us to rejoice even in our trials and sufferings, as St. Paul says in, in Romans, because uh, suffering produces endurance and endurance character, character hope, and hope does not disappoint. And so we ask that, Lord, you would be with us in, in both the good and the bad and help us to walk with you in all of it. Come, Holy Spirit, through our Blessed Mother. Please, God Almighty, please give us the strength, the wisdom to be better sons and fathers and husbands, to, to, to live the life that you have, have uh, the life intended for us and your will, not ours. Give us the strength to set aside our ego, our shortcomings, and understand our identity is in you. We are a child of, of God, and, and that is all that we need. Dear Lord, <clears throat> dear Lord, we ask that you help us to see in ourselves the light that you put in us. Help us to grow and multiply that and to be that light for others. Just help us to grow that light and to share your love through our joy each day. In your name we pray. Oh, Amen. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, hey, that was a great way to close the show. Check out the bonus where you're going to hear an incredible Hail Mary story from our friend Chris McMahon coming back at you at the end of the week. And in the meantime, we'll see you in the Eucharist. God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us at our undersized table, subscribe to the video version of the show on YouTube by typing at, that's the symbol at, so shift and two on your keyboard, at the underscore Beatitudes on YouTube. We'll see you there. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.